I'm Jerry Rochelle, and you are listening to Girl Wonder Podcast, where we discuss, theorize, recap, deep dive, and just completely obsess over comics on Webtoon. Today, we are talking about The Remarried Empress, art by Sumple, story by Alpha Tart. We are talking about episode 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, and 59. Yes, this is a jam-packed episode, and I am so excited to talk about all of the things that Rashta and the Emperor and the Empress and everyone are doing because this is like some peak drama here. I just enjoy all of the drama that comes with this webtoon. If you are a patron of the Girl Wonder podcast, meaning that you give $1 a month or $5 a month or $10 a month, whatever tier, if you're a patron, then you already knew I was going to be talking about Remarried Empress this week, and you know what I'm talking about next week and the week after that and the week after that because patrons get the podcast schedule every once in a while. They also get video reactions when I read Lore Olympus for the first time. I read it on FastPass, I record my reaction, and then I edit it and publish it when the episode becomes public to everyone. Those are getting really, really fun. So there's a lot of exclusive stuff on Patreon. The link to that is patreon.com slash girlwonder, and you can find that link in the description box of this podcast episode. And before we start, our top cities that have listened to this podcast the most in the last seven days are Porter Ranch, New York, Louisville, Santee, Florence, and Altus. Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart. We start off with Rashta crying to Duke Ergi about being the least powerful person in court. And I just have to be honest, Duke Ergi is messy like super messy because after Rashta says the Empress is trying to turn her into a social pariah, he says that's unseemly behavior for someone who holds the most influence in society. She's basically bullying you. Are you going to just let her treat you like that? Messy. That is mess, sir. You are a messy person. <laughs> His advice for Rashta is to throw a tea party on the same day as the Empress because that will get all of the commoners to like be like, well, the Empress is storing a party the same day as that poor mistress. Oh, I feel so bad for the mistress. He's like, we can turn it against her. So that's what they do. And on the day of the tea party, the Empress asks Labetti, the daughter of Viscount Latishu, to go on a walk with her. And it's just so clear how much Labetti adores and admires the Empress. Like, this is her celebrity crush 100%. Homegirl owns 30 portraits of the Empress. I think it'd be weird to own more than four. You know? Like, how many rooms in your house do you need to decorate with the Empress's face? She's like, it's like collector's items for her. It was really cute. And I'm starting to wonder if it was even more than a celebrity crush. I feel like it's just a, a legitimate crush because... When you crush on a celebrity, you don't know them. But here she is walking with the Empress side by side. She knows her personally. So I just feel like this is a legit crush on the Empress. Cannot blame Lavetti at all. I mean, she says to the Empress, the pictures don't do you justice. You're much more beautiful in real life. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I'm sure pictures can't capture the Empress's beauty at all. So, of course, they run into Rashta and Duke Ergi. Sometimes when I see the Empress walking around the palace grounds, I'm like, Rashta's just going to show up, isn't she? She's everywhere. The Empress cannot breathe. She cannot go anywhere without Rashta being there. So they run into her and Lebedi right away doesn't even want to see her. She's enjoying her time with the Empress. She's enjoying complimenting the Empress. And Rashta just had to show up. And Duke Ergi is like, so who is this? Who is Lebedi? And the Empress says, she's a delightful young lady. In fact, I wish she was my little sister. If it doesn't make you uncomfortable, you are welcome to address me like your big sister. Which, of course, makes Lebedi's day. But you guys, the look on Rashta's face after hearing the Empress say, I wish she was my little sister, you are welcome to address me like your big sister. The look on Rashta's face. Pure sorrow. Heartbreak. A hint of betrayal? Like, she was just going through it. And I feel like I was right, like 100% right about my Rashta wants to be the Empress's sister. Do you remember when I talked about that the last time we talked about the remarried Empress? I mean, it's pretty much confirmed here just based on how Rashta reacted. 
Camille Allison commented on this episode of the Webtoon and said she knew what she was doing when she told her to call her big sister. Thanks for making my day, queen. Heart emoji. (laughs) So that makes me wonder, was Navir deliberately trying to be petty in this moment? Was she trying to get Rashta to feel bad? And when I first read it, I don't know if I would have said that. I thought she legitimately was like, Lebedi is so sweet. She is delightful. She loves me. (laughs) And she's like so kind to me and just gassing me up with all the compliments in the world. I do wish she was my little sister. So I think the Empress is being truthful. But on the second read, when I was taking my notes for this podcast, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's too much the way she phrased it like that. You can call me or you can address me like your big sister. That is a straight up callback to episode five. If you recall, in episode five, Rashta came to the Empress's room unannounced and declared that they're sisters now because they have the same husband and it made us all cringe, right? And then Rashta said, can I call you big sister from now on? So yes, I think the Empress was rightfully trying to be a little bit petty and dig at Rashta a bit here because Rashta won't get the hint and she won't leave her alone. At least Lebedi's nice to her and isn't sleeping with her husband. So yeah, I usually don't endorse pettiness, but in this case, I think that was that was legit. <laughs> I think that was fine. So yeah, the rumors spread about the Empress and the Mistress having their tea parties on the same day. And it it's going the way that Duke Ergie said it was going to go with a lot of people sympathizing with Rashta, even though they don't know how conniving Rashta can be. So Kosair, the Empress's brother, hears these rumors. The tea party thing definitely worked. And of course, it makes him upset. He's very protective of his sister. The episode ends with the Empress putting it together that Duke Ergi is the one behind all of this gossip, and he is somebody to look out for. He is dangerous. Geeky Anime Loves commented and said, This is why we love our Empress, a whole queen and so mature. She's considerate and level-headed, and Rashta has a lot to learn from her. So much. The Empress does think through things so calmly. She was sitting there. She's putting the pieces together. Okay, Duke Ergi is doing that. And they're like, do you want to do a counter rumor? You know, we can drag Rashta. And she's like, no, we'll just be two sides of the same coin then. That's legit. So that's why when the Empress says something to Rashta's face that makes her upset, we kind of root for her because she's so calculated in many other ways. She's sitting here being like, no, I wouldn't just like come out with a rumor about Rashta. That just makes me look bad and makes the Empire look bad. And I don't want to, I don't want to hurt the Empire. She's always thinking about her subjects. It's pretty easy to root for the Empress. Authentically Real commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, the Empress is literally the only person in that entire kingdom that actually thinks about the Empire. Without her, it will fall. I think so too. We know from episode one that the Emperor is going to choose Rashta officially to be the Empress over Navir, right? We know this is coming and she's going to like be like, reverse Uno, <laughs> I'm going to be with Henry. I've decided to call him Henry now instead of Henry because it, it's starting to look like Henry in my head. So that is going to be how I pronounce his name. So we know that's going to happen. We know we've been promised in the first episode that she is going to leave this empire, this kingdom, and I do believe it will fall without her. Vix Baldspot commented and said, as obnoxious and manipulative as Rashta is, let us remember, as that wise commoner said, the real villain is Sovashu and his weakness. While I don't condone or like Rashta, she is trying to survive a society designed to crush commoners. Sovashu is a weak-willed, incompetent, entitled, arrogant narcissist who doesn't give a rat's ass about anyone but himself and his newest toy. I mean, that couldn't be said better. It, that is exactly right. And I don't like Rashta either, but sometimes you can definitely see where she's coming from. And that'll happen in, over the episodes we're talking about today. One last comment before we move on. Maman commented and said, So we totally know that Ergi is orchestrating things so Navir and Heinri can be together and so that the Eastern Kingdom is weakened. We also know from episode one's Rashta smirk, she is not going to improve as a person (laughs) and is not good news to the Empire and that the Emperor is an idiot. (laughs) Finally, we know Navir is the epitome of selfless devotion to her people. So what I need to know is how is Ergi going to make this happen in a way that Navir won't feel like a traitor for leaving her kingdom? 
That's a great question because she's so devoted to her people. How is she going to flip to another empire? While we ponder that, let's keep in mind that Prince Henry, soon to be King Henry, has some plans of his own when it comes to getting the empress to his side and marrying him. I'll be right back. We start episode 55 with everyone cheering, long live our new King Henry I. He is coronated and he looks great in his crown. And so some guy had said to King Henry, I heard your highness is still unwed. Are you still thinking of Lady Rashta? Your highness would have been devastated if you had seen how terribly Empress Navir treats her. So Henry's subordinate McKenna is like, why didn't you correct that man? And Henry didn't correct him because... They're going to war soon, and if the people find out that he loves, yes, loves, he used the word loves, the empress, they are also going to assume that he started a war just to win her over. So he wants his subjects to love Navir as much as he does. Love. He loves her. It cannot be debated. Prince Henry loves her. <laughs> On top of that, he is going to use Rashta, who he calls that woman, does not love her, as a decoy. So people criticize her instead of the empress. It seems like he has a plan here. And he's also kind of like not rash and not impulsive, if that makes sense. You know how the empress is sitting there being like, no, I'm not going to start a rumor about Rashta. That wouldn't work out for our kingdom or and it wouldn't work out for me either. King Henry is doing a similar thing where he's like, I'm not going to correct that man and be like, Rush is terrible. I love the queen because he's worried about how his people will accept her. This is good. They're a good match for each other. So he says, when I conquer the Eastern Empire, I'll round up each and every person that insulted her, fill their mouths with rocks, and have them beg for mercy at her feet. <laughs> the thing is, the empress probably won't let him do that. But it's it's like nice to see that he cares about her so much. And he wants it's like it aligns with the audience so well, because that's what we want to have happen. I think I knew that he wanted to conquer the Eastern Empire, but I wasn't 100% sure until this conversation, and I was still a little surprised. It's like, wow, it's kind of like down with Sovashu's empire, <laughs> you know? And so his blue-haired assistant, McKenna, says, how are you going to win her heart as the king of a hostile nation when you couldn't even do so as the prince of a peaceful neighboring one? He's like, you, you kind of, you took some swings and you missed, man. <laughs> You've tried to be clear to her that you're in love with her and she is not getting it. How are you going to do it now after you like conquer her nation? And Prince Henry says the funniest thing in response. He says, remember that birds dance to attract their mate and we are birds after all. And he's like, so, so you're going to dance? You're, you're, you're just going to dance? And that's how you're going to get her? And he's like, yeah, I think it'll work. He's so serious. He was totally serious. I love it. And so the next scene that we see is McKenna as a bird. I love his little blue bird. And he shows up and the empress is glad to see him. And guess what? <laughs> King Henry gave her a ring. It is tied around that bird's neck. I loved it. I loved it. And it came with a letter that said, this ring is a gift to you, my queen. I would like you to be my queen. I was screaming, you guys. It's like, this is a proposal. But at the same time, wouldn't you want to see him down on one knee, like proposing to her instead of like, this is a bird with a ring around its neck. But if that's not Heinry, then like, I don't know what else is. His letter continues on to say, after meeting you, my standards for a bride have become impossibly high. I'm disappointed you couldn't come to the coronation. Terribly, awfully devastatingly crushed. <laughs> He's so dramatic, but he probably did feel like that. He was really clear in his letter. It said, my standards for a bride have become impossibly high, and he's calling her my queen, and I want you to be my queen. And em the empress's response is to laugh, you know, kind of giddy, but also full of actual humor. She's laughing loudly. And of course, the empress doesn't realize that this man is proposing to her. She just doesn't seem to understand that. Hep Cat Dash commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, One thing I've noticed is that Navir's love language is not gifts. It's words and actions. It wasn't the ring that made her smile, but the words and actions that accompanied it. I agree with that. 
I think Silvershoot tried to give her a piece of jewelry and she was not impressed because his actions aren't great and his words aren't great. He's just not great across the board. I feel bad that she's married to him still. So she puts the ring on her first finger and then it doesn't fit. And so she puts it on her ring finger and I'm like, ooh, the foreshadowing. Just get married, you guys, please. I'm wondering, though, do you guys think it's possible that Silvershoe will see this ring at some point and get really jealous or petty? If he does see it, I'm pretty sure he'll get jealous and petty and say all sorts of things and just ask, like, who who gave you that and what does this mean and all sorts of things. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. That's a prediction that I'm throwing out there. We'll see if it's right. So... Now the Empress wants to put a smile on his face, too, because I think she thinks this whole thing was a great, good-humored joke. And she's like, now I have to make him smile. So this is what she writes. There are plenty of bright women in the world with a lot of good sense. I'm sure you will be able to find the perfect queen. Girl. No. (laughs) She, like, scared the crap out of McKenna. He was like, do not write that. I know he didn't say anything because he's a bird right now, but... That freaked him out. That freaked me out. I'm sure it freaked you out. It's like, don't say that. That's like denying him. That's like rejection, 100% rejecting a proposal that you just got. (laughs) So McKenna screeched. He was that alarmed that he had to screech. And she looked at the bird and was like, okay, I'll change it. She changed it to, I'm currently organizing the debutante ball. That's it? Is that what she, I wonder if there was more. I I don't know. Because if that's it, it'd be like, okay, so she ignored the fact that I proposed. But McKenna was like, eh, that's good enough. And then he leaves with it. I think he was just extremely exasperated by her at this point. Tato and Co. commented saying, poor bluebird, being a wingman must be difficult. (laughs) Rashta has to get a dress for Labetti, right? And she doesn't want to get her a pretty one. She's like mad that the dressmakers are so talented because she doesn't want Labetti to look good. Then she has what she thinks is a brilliant, just innovative, mind-blowing idea. Rashta thinks, I should make Labetti wear the same dress as me. Y'all, just a weary sigh from me over here because Rashta just felt like she was so smart in this moment. And a lot of you thought it was funny when I said last time we talked about the remarried empress, I said that the empress is playing 3D or 4D chess and Rashta is playing tic-tac-toe. Was I wrong? Was I wrong or is this a tic-tac-toe move? <laughs> this is so basic. I mean, if you guys don't remember, back in episodes 31 and 32, Rashta was following the Empress around and the Empress was like, stop. And Rashta didn't respect that and kept following her and trying to copy her. And then she did. She copied her with the same type of red dress. They were both wearing red at the event. And I call it the red dress fiasco. And it made me so mad. I was seeing red. It made me so upset. So Rashta is sitting here feeling like she's extra smart today. (laughs) She's feeling like she did something. Her smile at that plan. Oh my gosh, she's wicked sometimes. She just listens to her inner demons. I think we all have them where it's like, what if I did this petty thing? But she like listens into it and leans into it. She's just super frustrating sometimes. (laughs) Kiwi commented on this episode of the Webtoon and said, Rashta is getting sloppy with her schemes. Like you already did that once, boo try something else get creative (laughs) yes so it's the night of the debutante ball and now we have the yellow dress fiasco both Labetti and Rashta are wearing the same exact yellow dress and people are already wondering did Lady Rashta copy her outfit this is the second time it's happened right you guys need to be suspicious. How does this keep happening to Rashta? She is the common denominator. There is a pattern. You need to understand that two times is enough to establish this pattern and not trust her. But they're like, why would Labetti, daughter of like a minor Viscount in the countryside, copy Rashta's dress, the emperor's mistress? So it works for Rashta a bit, but I'd be like, mm, I don't trust that woman. She may look innocent, but I don't trust her. And so Labetti tears up and the episode ends with the empress giving her a shawl. When I come back, we're talking about more things that Rasha is doing to copy the Empress. I'll be right back.
You guys, in episode 56, Rashta is literally trying to copy the Empress's education now. <laughs> like she's trying to have her brain. She's trying to study the same things the Empress did. And the Empress's thoughts are, it's not uncommon to follow the same curriculum of one's role model in high society. But this isn't just anyone. It's the woman who stole my husband from me. Yeah, it's personal and it's not okay. The Empress has done some digging into Viscount Latashu's family, which makes me really happy because I need these secrets to be exposed. And she finds out that there is a baby that none of the servants have seen. And for a second, for a brief moment, it seemed like the Empress put it all together because she's that smart. She plays chess. She is that smart. I don't know if she actually plays chess. I feel like it'd be cool to see her playing chess with somebody because that's how her brain works. But she seemed like she'd gotten it all together because she found out there was a baby that no one had access to. It's like a secret baby. And then she saw Rashta. She's like, could it be? And then she's like, no, perhaps I'm reading too much into it. Pretentious Platypus commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, you are reading exactly the right amount into it, Navir. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Viscount runs into the emperor who is not happy to see him. The emperor is outright hostile to Viscount Latishu because he's like, you come to the palace too often. Like, I see your face too often. You are here too often. <laughs> and the Viscount is just like, oh my gosh, he won't get off my back. And it's because the emperor is super suspicious of why the Viscount and Rashta are meeting up so frequently, right? So the Viscount is here to yell at Rashta for the yellow dress fiasco. And I feel like he's within his rights to do that. She tried to embarrass his daughter and succeeded at it. And in this chapter, it is so clear to see how pregnant Rashta is. I literally forgot that homegirl was pregnant. I did not remember that she had a baby inside of her. <laughs> she was reading a book and she's wearing her green dress and the Viscount's talking to her and she puts the book down and she's super pregnant. I was like, oh yeah. I don't know how I forgot when that, that's a whole thing. It's a huge plot point, Joe. And I just didn't realize how far along she'd come, it seems. So Rashta tells him that Labetti has a big mouth and she's probably going to spill secrets to the Empress. And deep, deep down, Rashta wanted to act out because the Empress told Labetti that she can call her big sister anytime. I think that is a clear connection here. And so the Viscount is like, no, my daughter would never do that. And here is the here is the exchange that I wanted to talk to you guys about. This dialogue right here, when Rashta says, parents are blind to their children's flaws. And then the Viscount says back to her, that's rich, coming from someone who doesn't even know what her child looks like because she refuses to see him. What a clap back. What a clap back. <laughs> like he got her. Rashta had to take several seats. She had to sit all the way down. I mean, she didn't literally sit down, but her face, it was like, sit down, ma'am, take several seats because he got you. Even the Viscount knew that that was probably the best clapback of his entire life. His thoughts were like, yeah, that's more like it when he saw her face because he got her. It's true and it needed to be said. Okay, it just needed to be said. So Rashta and him argue for a little bit longer. And then Rashta says, if I go down, I'm taking you down with me. So it's like a mutually assured destruction that neither of them can out the other person for their secrets because they'll both go down. So later, Sovashu comes to visit her. And I know he's doing this because he saw the Viscount, knew the Viscount was here to visit Rashta. It piqued his suspicions again. And he's like, there has to be some sort of blackmail scenario, which there is, but he can't get it out of Rashta. So the first thing that Sovashu thinks in his head when he sees Rashta, his his side piece, you know, he sees her <laughs> and he comes into the room and he thinks it would have been better if the empress had become pregnant. I'm just shaking my head over here. And so Rashta gets all bubbly like she does and cutesy with the emperor. And he says something very interesting to me. Did you guys notice how he said, you don't have to change the way you talk. It was cute. Hmm. Does Rashta change her voice when she talks to the emperor, like when she talks to Viscount Latashu, her voice is one way. And when she talks to the emperor, her voice is totally different. If and when this is animated, I would love to see a voice actor do that because that would just, you know how we're frustrated with Rashta enough as it is? I think that would really just tip it over the edge for us <laughs> in a good way. You know, our frustration with her would just be at the highest level possible if we heard her voice change to be cutesy when she talks to the emperor. I think that's what she does. 
So Rashta is studying to make him proud. You know, she wants to replace the empress and she wants to have power. So that's why she's doing it. And Sovashu says, you don't have to do that. You're already endearing. In her head, she thinks, do you also tell the empress that all you expect from her is to look endearing? Girl, you are the 20%. I talked about this last time. Like, Navier was 80% of everything Sovashu could have ever wanted. The Empress had 80% of it. She's smart. She's regal. She's great with the people. She's great with the subjects. She's great with the staff. She is 80%. She's his childhood friend. 80% of everything he ever wanted. And then here comes Rashta, 20% of things that he wants in a wife, right? So he cheats on the Empress and goes for the 20%. And now he's sitting here with the 20% the 80% don't want you anymore. And this is what you get. And so this is also what Rashta gets. This is how the 20% are treated where he's going to be like, mm, I wish my wife was pregnant and not you. Hmm. You're so cute and endearing. You don't have to study. He doesn't expect anything from you. You are the 20%. Mortella commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, The emperor really treats both Rashta and Navir like they're ornaments. He wants Navir to run his country and not be bothersome, and Rashta to be cutesy and fun when he needs it. Yep. And running the country is something that 80% could do, <laughs> you know, and the 20% can just be fun and cutesy, but he doesn't want them to change his ornaments, his possessions. He's like, don't change, don't be different. Gong Gong Vala commented and said, Sovashu is disgusting. He doesn't like that she's learning to read and write so he can keep her as dependent on him as possible like some sick pet. He is intimidated by women of intellect because a relationship with them would mean being equals and he can't handle it. I think there's a lot of truth in that comment. And here's someone with like a slightly different point of view. Danielle Wilson replied under that comment and said, actually, he doesn't want her to become anything more than his mistress. She wants to become like the Empress in order to take her place, but doesn't understand that while he thinks she is cute and fun to play with, he only wants Navir as his true Empress. Yeah, at least for now, but we know that's not going to stick. And I will say, this is the closest thing that's going to come to a compliment for Sovashu, our Emperor here. I'll say that he is not completely dumb. He's not a complete idiot because... He says, if the Viscount is blackmailing you, you have to tell me. He picked up on it. He's not going to get distracted by it. No matter what she says, he believes that blackmail is going on and he's right. And Rashta considers it, but then she's like, nah. <laughs> she decides to double down on the lie. She says, I can't risk everything on a maybe. And she's really good at lying, making all of the eye contact. It seems really believable. Fairy Penguin commented about this moment and said, If there was a time for Rashta to tell Sovashu, I think it would have been now. She's already pregnant, presumably with his child, so he can't exactly toss her aside at this stage. She could then bank on using the following months and having the baby to get back in his favor. She might never be the empress or a member of high society, but that could ensure that she's able to live comfortably. Lying now will only come back to bite her later. You guys, I sure hope it does. I, I need her to get some consequences for all of her behavior. The episode ends with Rashta asking him to stay with her until she falls asleep. And the emperor says, no, he can't. So I'm wondering, you guys, is the emperor getting bored of Rashta? I think he is. I'll be right back talking about episode 57, where the emperor is clearly not fooled by Rashta's lies. In episode 57, the Emperor is not convinced at all that there isn't something nefarious going on between Rashta and Viscount Latishu. There's just no way with how her status was that she could be on good terms with this guy who is basically her master and in charge of her, right? The Emperor just cannot be shaken from that fact. So he finds out that he's not the only one looking into the Viscount. The Empress is too, and so is Kosair, you know, so he knows. Sovashu is worried about Kosair sharing Rashta's secrets. It would just look so bad. And he's over here sighing about his future child possibly being talked about next negatively or being scorned because of Rashta's status before he brought her to the palace. I'm just like, sir, you knew what you were doing. You knew exactly who this was when you got with her. You knew it. 
how are you surprised now that it, it, it might come out? Like it might come out. <laughs> you knew this. You tried to hide it. You told the Viscount even after he yelled out loud exactly who Rashta is to him. The emperor still made Viscount like hide it. It's all his fault. You knew what you were doing. <laughs> you were complicit. You knew. Don't be sitting here now like, oh no, what if my child doesn't have a good life because of who his mother is and was? That's that's on you, man. <laughs> you knew. So in the throne room, Sovashu confronts Navir. He's so like he makes no sense sometimes. He's like be asking her stuff and she doesn't know what he's talking about or where he's coming from. She's like, you have to explain what you're talking about for me to answer your question. <laughs> he just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I know I just said that he was kind of not dumb, but sometimes he acts dumb with the Empress. It's probably because she's so smart. And then he stands there and looks so dumb next to her. But he tells the Empress that her brother was trying to dig up dirt on the Viscount, or to be precise, is trying to dig up dirt on Rashta. And so after he says that, he waits for Navir to say something back. And she just, her face doesn't move. And she just stands there looking at him. And he looks back. And I feel like they stood in silence for several minutes because we see like tick, talk, tick, talk. The clock is just ticking away and they're just staying there and she does nothing. And so <laughs> the emperor has no choice but to continue talking. And he's like, Rashta has nothing. You have everything. No. Boy, Rashta literally has this woman's husband. She literally has her husband. And so it's just so weird, especially when the emperor refers to himself as a possession. Did you guys catch that? Where he's like, I am one of your many possessions. It's so weird. But Navir goes with it. She's like, so you're saying like Rashta borrowed my toy, like borrowed my possession for a while. It was so weird. Why Why did Sovashu bring the conversation there? I think that's why the commenter who said that Sovashu treats these two women like they're little ornaments to play with. When you're bored with one, you go to the other. That's exactly right. That's how he sees it. And he projects that onto Navir thinking that's how she sees the world too. But it's not. I think she truly did love him, at least as a friend at some point. Sovashu says, it sounds like you're jealous of Rashta. Navir responds with, it has nothing to do with any feelings I may have for you. It's because we are married in the eyes of the law. And Sovashu says, I'd rather hear you say that you're jealous. That at least would be nice to hear. <laughs> you know what would also be nice to hear, Sovashu? It would be nice if you apologized to your wife and said, I'm so sorry for all the pain and sorrow that I have caused you. I am so sorry that I brought another woman basically into this relationship. I'm so sorry that I have allowed that woman to embarrass you, bother you, taunt you, and I, I attack you at every moment. I'm so sorry. Even then, we'd probably still not like him, but it would give him something. That would be nice, Sovashu, instead of having her say, I'm jealous. You want to bring someone, oh, it's so bad. You brought someone, you brought like a new person into your life and started having sex with her and you want your wife to say, I'm jealous. Like that is so low. Oof, that one got me. I'm seeing red. That one got me. So Sovashu just continues to play the victim, even though he's the one perpetuating all of this terrible stuff onto Navir. He's playing the victim by saying, of course you would never say such a thing because you don't love me. And I love how Navir did not correct him. She didn't even say, I loved you once. She did not acknowledge that piece of the conversation. She is so over him. Hip username commented on this episode and said, I think Sovashu is salty over being stuck with a pregnant Rashta and is trying to put the blame on Navir with the thinking that if you just loved me, then I wouldn't have felt the need to have a side piece. Wow. That's it. That's perfect analysis right there. Sovashu is announcing here to Navir that he's going away for two days to investigate a mage who claims to have lost their magic. And that stood out to me. I was wondering if there's anything there. You know, is there something m more at work here? Because mages and magic has come up in small quantities in this webtoon. Obviously, King Henry can turn into a bird. Duke Kaufman's making all these potions and taking them himself and falling in love. I'm just curious about a mage who is losing their power. Hmm. I Just something to put a tab in and think about later. Silvashu asks Navir if she would like to go with him. And she's like, nah. <laughs> 
and he says, it's not like I'll be working the entire trip. We could take some time out to relax on our journey, and we could take in the local sites or spend time at a resort. He's really pushing it in a way where he's, like, trying to entice her to come on this trip, even though he just accused her of, like, basically being, like, a cold-hearted bitch. (laughs) He's like, you don't love me. You never get jealous. Also, let's go and, like, go to a resort and take in the local sites and have a great time. What do you think? It's just... Why are you trying to convince her after being petty five seconds ago? The gall, the gall of this man. And so he goes from Navir, from one ornament, to another, back to Rashta, who says, It sounds like the Empress puts her work before you, Your Majesty, but to me, you will always come first. Hmm. He's just going here tattling about the Empress, (laughs) not going with him on this two-day work trip, right? I mean... uh, I don't like him. (laughs) He bothers me. I don't like how he behaves. I don't like how he treats the Empress. And I honestly don't even like how he treats Rashta because his response to that was the Empress is busy after all. Why are you complaining about your wife to your mistress and then defending your wife to your mistress? Pick a lane, Sovashu. Pick a lane, please. I've just about had it with him. (laughs) So she asks to go and he's like, it won't be a fun trip. Did y'all catch the difference right there? He said it won't be a fun trip after talking about the resort and taking in the local sites and relaxing on the return journey. But for for the mistress to come, oh, it's not going to be fun. So that, I think, answers my question if he's falling out of love with her. He probably was never in love with her. He was in lust with her and just liked her in a superficial way. And now that he's known her for a while, it's like, the 20% has now shrunk to like 5% of what he wants in life. I think that's what's happening here. It's Chantel One commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, the way Sovashu controls Rashta almost makes me feel bad. But then I remember what she's trying to do. And I think they're perfect for each other. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, she's sitting there being like, but I need to get to know the commoners and win them over for myself. So they kind of are perfect for each other with their backwards agendas and um, just not being honest, nice people. (laughs) So we cut to Rashta pouting. The emperor didn't want her to come. She didn't get to go. And Rashta says to the empress, I'm jealous of your majesty. I can't love his majesty as freely as I would like, but your majesty is allowed to be by his side, even though you don't love him. (laughs) Does Rashta actually love the emperor? I don't really think so. Like I said, he was in lust with her and now he's like barely interested. And then with Rashta, she was like, ooh, power, ooh, stability, ooh. You know, like she just went for the greedy things that she could get. She was greedy about it. And I don't know if she loves him. Like, I want to see him happy in life kind of love. Like true love? No. What do you guys think? Does Rashta actually love the emperor? What I loved was when Navier pressed her forehead like she booped Rashta on the forehead and said don't frown like that you should relax (laughs) yes she's trying to get at her you know she's trying to get a reaction out of Rashta and she clearly has the upper hand right but in another world they really could have been a big sister little sister like they have that vibe that's something you would do to your little sister who's complaining about something you'd boop them on the forehead and be like don't do that You're going to get wrinkles if you do that, you know? So if only Rashta wasn't having sex with the Empress's husband, maybe she could have had the big sister she always wanted. But that's not going to happen now. I don't think that'll ever happen. I don't know how you could get there. It'd be intriguing to watch if that's where the author, the creator wants to go. I would be down to see like a redemption arc for Rashta, but it it would be a rough one. (laughs) It'd be really hard and she would have to face consequences for all the things that she has done. The episode ends with the Empress asking her staff to stop looking into Viscount Latishu because Sovashu knows she's kind of been caught. Speaking of being caught, that's exactly what's going to happen to Viscount Latishu in the next episode. I'll be right back. Episode 58, the Empress asks Marquess Fallon to stop looking into Viscount Ladishu because the Emperor is onto them, he knows. And they start talking about Kosair and how he's getting into fights on the Empress's behalf. But they're like not too concerned about it. They're like, yeah, he's violent, but it won't be so bad, right? Foreshadowing. 
That is foreshadowing. Vix Baldspot commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, I love how Navir was just like, I'm sure he won't do anything too rash. And then Kosair is over here pimp slapping peasants, cutting off body parts, and threatening to deprive men of future children. Yeah, that is literally what he's doing. He's brutally fighting people. People that the Viscount sent after him. I like seeing action panels in this webtoon because we don't really get a lot of action in terms of people beating people up and (laughs) getting physical at all. That doesn't happen. This is more of like a conversation and thought process kind of webtoon with political intrigue. So it's cool to see the fights and and how Kosair carries himself in society. So Kosair finds out that Viscount the Viscount sent people after him and he just goes to where the Viscount is and snatches that man right off the streets, just snatches him right up. And then he takes him somewhere secluded, ties him to a chair and it's nighttime. There is a lot of blood on the floor. Kosair tortured that man. And so as much as I don't like Viscount Latishu from time to time, I don't think I can say I approve of him getting tortured either. Queen Lady Loki commented and said, Kosair's rage really compensates for his sister's restraint and composure, lol. I never even thought about it that way, that Navir is the least impulsive person in the entire series. She's the one who's not going to like jump and start fighting or say something without thinking it through. But Kosair is like, my fists will do the thinking for me. So from the torturing and interrogation of Viscount Latishu, Kosair gets confirmation that Rashta was a runaway slave. He kind of already knew that. I mean, he suspected it, and now he knows for sure. So he wants new information. And that's when Viscount tells him she has a child, a baby that she gave birth to. It's out, y'all. It's out. The secret is exposed. And so the Viscount lies and says he doesn't know who the father is. He doesn't know the baby daddy, even though the baby daddy is his son. (laughs) He just pretends not to know. Even though it's clear he's lying, he's stuttering all over the place every time he lies. But he does admit to raising the child himself. And Kosair wants concrete proof that Rashta was a slave. And the Viscount says he has a bill of sale. Rome Lee Lee commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, It's a small victory, but knowing Sovashu, he'll just find a way to protect Rashta. And they had the rolling their eyes emoji. (laughs) So I agree. I think that Sovashu at this point is tied to Rashta for the rest of his life because we saw in episode one that he's going to keep choosing her. So even if this does come out, it feels like he's just going to find a way to protect Rashta, which is disappointing. We end the episode with a spy in a black cloak who's listening in. And it's really ominous. After this short musical interlude, we'll talk about episode 59. So that mysterious, ominous spy that had the black cloak on is reporting to one of Sovashu's staff members, Marques Carl, and he is shocked to learn that Rashta was hiding a baby. Like, it is out there. Even if Sovashu finds a way to cover it up, I think it could still leak to the people because it's just spreading already, you know? <laughs> like, Cosair and the Viscount don't know that somebody was listening and now is running to Marques Carl to tell him, which Marques Carl is like, this is unheard of with the mistress. Sometimes the mistresses were married, but, like, have they ever had secret babies? Not often, so I find that really interesting. So at Green Ramble, the place where Silvashu is investigating that mage problem, yeah, I'm very curious about that still. What does that mean? This is not just something light that the author put in. It feels important to the story and probably to the downfall of the empire, right? And yeah, the mages are losing their powers. And Silvashu is very, very nervous that if the other nations find this out, it's it could be bad. And I'm wondering, well, King Henry, what would happen if he lost his power? But I'm also like, is he the one making the mages lose their powers in Green Ramble? Is that what's going on? Someone is doing this on purpose, right? It's interesting that Silvashu isn't investigating it like that. He's just like, oh, this could be bad if people find out. What if people are doing this? <laughs> what if your enemies are doing this? I think that's what's happening. So the emperor gets a letter from Marques Carl. Rashta's secret is out. 
I don't think we can deny that the emperor knows. He looks at the letter. We don't see what the letter says, but his face after he's read it, after he says, save the Viscount and confine Cosair, his face looks like, well, I knew it. It's almost like, well, this is what I get, <laughs> you know? So I think a lot of people noticed how he said to save the Viscount, the Viscount who he hates, by the way, and confine Cosair, who he also probably hates more. He hates his brother-in-law a lot. And I get it. I get why your response would be like, confine Cosair, because I mean... He's low-key a menace to society. I just have to be honest. We like him or we we are inclined to like him because he defends our lovely empress, right? But is he not a menace to society a little bit? Does he need to maybe be confined for a little bit? Maybe. <laughs> Hashtag Dr. Frost is back commented and said, to be fair though, Cosair did a crime by mutilating someone. We've seen him take extreme measures like giving an abortion drug too. He deserves to be arrested and maybe that's for the better for now before he does God knows what. I love him being so protective of Navir, but we can't condone what he does. Yeah, I understand that. So Alan is here to see Lady Rashta. And, you know, Alan is someone who was in a relationship with her, at least a physical one, and didn't want to provide more than that. And Rashta got pregnant and then abandoned that baby as soon as she could, it feels like. So he's here to see her. She is not excited to see him. Her face is just resting bitch face all the way through. <laughs> She's not ready. She's not ready for this. She does not want to see him. And so he wants to give her a few locks of her baby Ian's hair. And <laughs> I thought that was weird. <laughs> is that something people do? Like I just cut some of the baby's hair off so you could have it in this handkerchief. <laughs> if it is something normal though, please forgive me. I just thought it was odd right off the bat but then it's also a little bit cute but also weird like here's the baby's hair it came off of its head you can have it <laughs> weird and cute and so what does Rashida do she slaps his hand away and lets the hair fall to the ground with the handkerchief and my first reaction when I'd read this and not gotten to the end of the chapter yet I was mad at Rashida I was like wow she's so cold and I don't like her and Alan is not as mad as I was like he he figured out that she's in denial because she bought their boy a house. So he didn't take it too personally, which I don't know. I don't hate him. He seems to be raising that child okay. <laughs> I don't hate him. I wish Rashto would take more interest in her child, but I honestly think she's too scared that it'll damage everything she's built by having sex with the emperor. <laughs> that she's like, nope, nope, not going there, not going back to that life you know, because she didn't have an easy time before. So Alan is really here to ask about his dad, Viscount Latishu, because he hasn't heard from him since he left to go see Rashta, and Rashta hasn't seen him either. So Alan leaves all dejected like, I don't know where my dad is. And then Rashta picks up the handkerchief and the strands of her baby's hair, and it's like, oh, she does kind of care. We've always suspected it. Wasn't there a moment where she's like, I carried him for nine months. Of course I cared. But she doesn't show it all the time. And sometimes she, it, it frustrates me. But she does show the emotion. I'm glad they gave her character some nuance here so that she's not just evil and wicked all of the time. <laughs> so the Empress finds out from Marques Fallhan that... Rashta already has a child. It is confirmed. So the secret is exposed. It's out. Whether the emperor keeps it to himself or not, we don't know. He's likely to do that, but it's out. Like all the important people in the palace seem to know. And so Marques Fallhand is asking the empress to expose Rashta's secret to the emperor, which I don't know how well that will work. If she's like, hey, I know that Rashta had a child before. I don't know how that's going to work. I could see that going wrong in a million different ways. Does she know that the emperor knows? I'm not sure. Emily commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, too bad the dum-dum of an emperor will probably dismiss the baby scandal and blame Navir for it. <laughs> I was sitting here being like bummed out that maybe he would like dismiss the scandal and try to cover it up. But yes, 
This commenter knows Sobashu better than I do because not only would he dismiss it, he would blame Navir for it. It would be her fault. It is your fault that Rashta had this child. How dare you make Rashta have a child before she ever existed in our lives? <laughs> like, I think that might happen. And if it happens, oh my gosh, this commenter, Emily, will be able to say, called it. Yep. <laughs> Hip username commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, no way, Navir should not be the one to tell Sovashu. This is a kill the messenger type of situation. Let his informants tell him. Also, Rashta slapping her baby's lock of hair to the ground made me sick. <laughs> I understand. I understand all of that emotion. And I am worried about it being a kill the messenger type of situation. But the Empress is very thoughtful. I haven't read the Fast Pass episodes. So I'm not sure if she's going to just go straight to Sovashu and be like, hey, ha, your mistress has a child. That's not really her style. So I could see her playing it out in a totally different way or Sovashu totally coming at her with this information first. So it could go many different ways. And that's it, you guys. We talked through so many episodes of The Remarried Empress today by Sumpol and Alpha Tart. I really have a lot of thoughts and opinions when it comes to the remarried empress and i'm so grateful i have this podcast to share my thoughts and to dm you guys on instagram and on twitter and just through regular email even to talk to you about the remarried empress because as you can tell it makes us feel things all right let's move on to the recommendation segment each podcast episode, I like to share a recommendation from one of our podcast listeners. This week's recommendation comes from Nemo Secret on Instagram, who asked, Have you read Space Boy? It's really good. The art style is sort of retro, 1940s, 50s space comic, and it's full of cultural illusions. Loving it. So I haven't read Space Boy yet, but now I'm subscribed to it, so I can't forget to check it out. It sounds so good, and I want like a retro vintage kind of comic. That would be really nice to read. Thank you so much for this recommendation Nemo Secret. And if you have a recommendation, you can reach out to me on Instagram at Girl Wonder Podcast or reach out to me on Twitter at Girl Wonder Pod or send me an email at girlwondersquad at gmail.com. Wow, you made it to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to Girl Wonder. We currently have no sponsors, so here's a shout out to a random podcast listener instead. This week's shout out goes to MistyAnn7 on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, Misty. New episodes of Girl Wonder are uploaded every week. I'm Joe Rochelle, and we will talk again next week. Bye! Bye!